there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome to another edition of Tag the Roll. This is your host, Mark Schindler. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Kali, and good friend, Zach Milner. Zach, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing good. Nice to have you on the, the West Coast here with me. Same time today. Yeah, it's uh, I'm still uh, very unaccustomed to it. I've been up for like six hours already. Um, Or not six. Wait, I'm, my, I forgot. I just realized I was trying to my clock. I've been up for, for three and a half hours already. So close <laughs> enough. Uh, Yeah, I'm like, I think this is my third day here. And it's already like I'm I'm very much hitting the point of like, oh, yeah, um, like I am very ready to be back on the East Coast just for timing purposes, because I feel like the next day or two is where it's really going to start to hit me how much I'm struggling to to be on Pacific Coast time. 
I've been like falling asleep at like 10 30 9 45 and I'm normally like an up till two person so it's been uh it's been different man but we're uh we're, we're thriving and surviving that's what you like to hear yeah so we're here first of all thank you to everyone who sent in mailbag questions but we're here to do our first mailbag pod together we got a lot of really great questions uh, that I'm excited to dive into so let's just get right into them um our first question uh from our guy pd webb who are prospects that are statistically struggling that you think will bounce back strong in the coming months? Um, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. So I wouldn't say Matthew Morell is totally struggling like statistically or anything, but I will say it's a little under my expectations coming into the year, which is why I want to put him in here. I think the last couple of games he has played better. Um, but yeah, overall, he's shooting just under 37% from three. But I thought that he had a chance, to, especially with how he ended last year, to be closer to 39, 40%. And mm-hmm. from a prospect perspective, that's what I wanted to see from him because um, like I think I've mentioned him on our pod before the season started of returners to watch. He's in that sort of mold where he's an off-ball guard, but not tall enough to defend wings. So he's it's in that tough role um, where you just really have to be a really, really good shooter or and a really, really good defender to to succeed. And I think he has the potential to be both of those. I just don't think um, the shot has been as good as I wanted it to be. So not that he's actually struggled as a whole, but relative to my expectations, I expect him to be better. And I still think he can be better as the season continues to go. Yeah. No, I think that's that's fair. I haven't to be fair, I haven't I haven't watched Ole Miss yet just because they have been uh Ole Miss has not been good this year. Um to so I uh you know I just haven't gotten around to it yet, but I I'm excited to dive into Morel as the year goes on. My guy who I ended up putting and the same same as you, not that he's quote unquote like been bad. Like I still would have him in the upper half of my lottery right now, but Keontae George from Baylor. Um and I think part of it for me is just his shot profile changing up a little bit. Like um, I like, again, I think he's been good for Baylor, but he's been tasked with a lot more of uh, doing secondary stuff and, and being off the ball than I think I was maybe expecting, like just for reference, like I think two thirds of his shots right now are threes. Um, if you just look at the, the sheer split difference and he didn't shoot well from three to open up the year. It's been a little bit better in December. Um, he's, like his difference in home and road splits is actually pretty substantial right now. And if you include uh, neutral sites as a way. Um, and I, I like, I just think that there have been like some freshman growing pains with him with getting accustomed to, to length, but I still think he's played really well. And I believe in the shot, you know, a lot more than being like a 32% shot. So I don't know what, what your thoughts were on that, but. Yeah, I thought about putting Keontae in this as well, mostly because of the shot. I think everything else I've seen, I think he's had a really solid start to his freshman year yeah. overall. Um, but yeah, the shot has not been great. So like like PDS, statistically speaking, we both expect the shot to be better. So I think he totally fits into this conversation, even if we're just talking about the shot or like you said, the shot profile in general. Um, I think that he was able to show some more on-ball shot making and part of the Gonzaga game and the Tarleton game, like you said, in December, those last two games have been a lot. I think he's shown more shot making on the ball and the shots are falling as well. Um, I also think he has looked to attack the basket a little bit more recently as well, which is what I want to see from him going forward. Yeah, definitely. 
Yeah, and I know, do you have anything more to add on him? Because I know we have another Keontae question that we can probably just skip, or we can probably move that up all the way up to here as well if you don't, yeah. if you don't have anything else to say on this specific topic. Yeah, let's do that. So I before we even get into that question, I do just want to say, like, I think Keontae's defense has been pretty good this year. Like, Baylor's defense as a whole has been a little bit all over the place just because by virtue, like, they're playing a bit smaller than they typically do. Um, like, obviously, Jonathan Chamuachachua has not been healthy this year, so I feel like they've really missed him. Um, Jalen Bridges has been very up and down, uh, which I think has definitely hurt them as well because it's basically him and Caleb Lohner are really the only forwards that they have on the team. Um, and Caleb Bonner's actually been pretty good. Um, but like yeah. overall, like, I mean, I mean, that's all to say, like they have the ninth ranked offense in the NCAA right now, I think. And it feels like it too in watching them. Like that guard trio is one of the best position groups in America. Like, yeah. And Adam Flagler just continues to like, get better every, every year, pretty much. It's pretty ridiculous. Some of the stuff that he can do now. And he is just change of pace or just sprinting into a pull up three in transition. Just his passing has improved a lot. Just a really yeah. fun player to watch as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, totally. They're like that team just feel, like they're, I think that they're going to figure out the defense to a better extent for sure. Um, and they've just been, like you mentioned, they've been really fun overall. I think that they've had some guys who have like, I mean, Dale Bonner has been really good for them off the bench after being kind of a non-factor the last couple of years. Um, so that's been nice to see. Like they're just, it's Baylor. So I don't, I don't really have like a ton of, I don't have a ton of yeah. questions about them. <laughs> the, the, the story about Baylor, like we've always talked about, right. Is just their guard play is so intriguing and so fun. And when the tournament comes around, you have to watch out for them. And and like you're talking about, if the defense does improve even just a little bit, you really have to watch out for them as a team come March, because that, that offense should be able to score on anyone. And, and yeah, they can have an off game here and there, but th- they can blow any team out if they're just having an on day shooting. Definitely. Um, well, yeah. So the question that we got is from SF hoops. What do you think of Keontae George's on ball upside? Um, I mean, I personally think that it's really good. Like I, I don't like, obviously quote unquote, not a, not somebody I think I view as a primary option in the NBA, but part of what I've actually really enjoyed about his season here is like, I know what he can do on the ball. Like he's a really good pick and roll creator getting downhill. He's so good at using his strength. He has, um, a variety of passes in his uh, in his arsenal um, and I think that he's operated really well as an off-ball scorer and just like functioning within the offense at Baylor and not that I thought that that was going to be a significant problem or something but I do think it's been cool to see him like um, acclimate pretty well to playing as an off-ball guard like watching him get opportunities to attack out of a slot or like stepping into the catch like I thought he was really good at, against UCLA doing that um, that was part of their run in the second half was just him being extremely active and attacking downhill um, yeah. off the catch. So I think like, yeah, I, I feel pretty good about his on ball upside. Like I think I've typically compared him to like, he's obviously not drew holiday, but like that same sense of like somebody who can initiate offense for you, be a good pull-up shooter, get downhill. Um, like he's not a primary, but he can do primary things. And because of his defensive um aptitude and and size combination i think that he brings a lot of things that are really intriguing yeah to add on one of, and this actually works out perfectly because you were going to talk about keontae last pod right we moved yeah. to this, this this week so that's great um but one of the reasons why i like keontae as a prospect is because of his ability to play both on and off the ball so i, I definitely do think there's on ball upside and i think he has shown showed showcased some of that so far this year um, like we mentioned a little bit ago, 
I think the the shot will start to fall more. I think he can do a better job at putting pressure on the on the rim. Definitely. I think that he has shown that a little bit, like I said recently, but I want to see it more often. In terms of his passing, I've I've liked it so far. I don't think he's being like the most proactive as a passer and making mm-hmm. everything happen, but I also think he's being patient with the ball and 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 making the right play a good majority of the times. Um, sure, when he gets into a little bit of a rhythm on offense, he might force up a shot or two, but he has a shot making to where he's actually made those shots. I think up until these last two or three games, he was really like letting the offense come to him and just making the right play every time almost. And I, I really like to see that. Like you said, we know what he can do on the ball. So seeing him in this more off ball setting at Baylor has been a lot of fun. And that's sort of why I like their roster of, yeah. of so many talented guards because you are going to see him have those games where he has those crazy scoring games, but then you're also going to see him have those games where he's playing off the ball, running off screens, attacking off the catch, and all that kind of stuff. So that's the intriguing part about him as a prospect. He can play both on the ball and off the ball. I'm with you, probably not going to be like, ooh, the number one primary option, but I also don't think I'd rule it out. Just don't think it's like the most likely scenario for him. Yeah, no, I would agree with that for sure. Like, I think that, like I could like I mean I view Keontae as a guy who has like definite all-star upside I think mm-hmm. like in terms of what he brings is just his all-around game and especially the scoring package as well so um unless you have any other thoughts on that I'm ready to go to the next one no I think that's good that's that's good for him I'm more excited to see how he looks in conference play as well um yeah. because they haven't had like the the best schedule i mean it, it's been good it's been a lot of like top teams and then lower teams right no yeah. no one really in the middle so i'm just more happy to more looking forward to seeing him just play like consistent good play throughout the rest of the year yeah no i agree um all right so from logan thompson he asked us a question uh just like our thoughts on coleman hawkins and tsj and uh for that i'm going to encourage people to listen to our last pod because you and i went pretty in depth on them uh right and but he also asked you know, our thoughts on the young guards on the team. So I did actually want to dive into that because I we hadn't really hit on, you know, like where we're at with the young guards because that's part of their success has been they play Jay Nepps, uh, I mean, Sky Clark and uh, and Sincere, Sincere Harris, Harris all like a pretty decent amount of minutes. So I'm, I am I was curious, how have you felt about the young yeah. guard play? But they do also play Ty Rogers a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, I think the success has mostly been around the other three. I've liked how they've played in terms of like just college basketball. I'm not ready to really say like, I'm all in on anyone as a prospect yet. I yeah. think there's some intriguing stuff with all of them. Um, sincere Harris is the, the defense. I think you mentioned on the last pod, when we were talking yep. about TSJ and Coleman Hawkins, the defense is so, so fun to watch. And he, that UCLA game, he pretty much changed himself just because of his ball pressure. Um, that looks like it can just, I, I'm just so excited to watch that throughout the year. Mm-hmm. The the offense does have a decent amount of ways to go, um. So I want to see that come around, but but none of these guys are going to be one and done guys, right? So they're going yeah. to be guys that we watch another year or two, and and we want to see improvements in their game. If he can show an improvement in his game, um, on offense as a whole, I think he is definitely someone that could be worth keeping an eye on going forward. Sky Clark, I think, has been sort of fine as a starter on that team i think he's shown a little bit of shot making here and there he's making his shots 
nothing that really stands out to me so much from a prospect perspective. Yeah. Um, and then Jaden Epps, I think he's given them actually really good minutes. Just there's a lot of better players on the team that stand out more than him. Um, but he's someone that I want to keep an eye on going forward as well. I think, how would you rank those, those three? Where would you put Sky Clark compared to the other two? Um, that's a good question. I think to me, like you kind of mentioned, Sky Clark to me has really been good as a college player in terms of like actual prospect status. I don't like, I think he's somebody that's going to need some time. Uh, and maybe even with time, I'm not sure. Like, I think the right. defense has been as good as this team has been overall defensively. I do think that he's gotten picked on a lot by other teams um, and hasn't looked particularly great. I do think, like you mentioned, the shot making has been good at times. He, he can do some good stuff as a pick and roll playmaker. But I've been more impressed with Epps and, and Harris from a, yeah. from a prospect standpoint. Like, I think, especially with Harris, like, you can see all the ideas of him being like that that combo guard who um, brings a little bit of everything. Like, I think like the idea of the shot is there, the, you know, what he can do attacking the basket is there. Um, but he's just like physically just not there yet. Like he's like six, three, but like one seventy five. So like, I think he's very much need to see him grow into his body. I think Epps, Epps has probably been who's impressed me the most as a prospect out of the three. Yeah, I think it's fair. I think if stuff go, if stuff, goes well for sincere harris i'm probably more intrigued there yeah um but yeah because yeah, the defense think... has been legitimately very right. very good but but i do think it's cool how like people aren't like going and crowning him some oh you're drafting him this year kind of guy right like yes. a lot of the time for these guys who are really good defensively but they have their other struggles people jump the jump the gun with them and they're like oh let's let's draft them right now i think he does need time um and i i think he's getting talked about like he does need the time and that's good i think there's not too unfair expectations being placed on him right now which is very good um but yeah more intrigued with him but i think Jaden epps has probably been the most impressive out of the three so far yeah i agree um also shout out sincere harris ohio kid uh played with malachi Bram at st vincent st mary's which was a that was a very fun team to watch um okay uh moving on Next question from JD Quarante: Who are potential Nemhard Baines of the draft class? Which I thought this was a really good question. I I want to ask you first because I'm not sure where I land on this one. Yeah, I, I was gonna hope you go first so I can do a quick. <laughs> oh, you want me to go first? Players. No, it's fine. Um, that's that's tough because I don't trying to think of any like four year player that we have here right oh I, I mean i have an answer already somebody that we okay. like yeah, go with it that we just skipped over i mean i think terrence shannon jr like okay. i don't oh, think yeah. that he's okay. going i don't i would probably be surprised if he ends up like the bane upside level but i do think he could very much do the nemhard thing and come in and be a pretty immediate impact guy um, especially if like he continues to improve the shot um like like we talked about in the last pod there's there are still some questions with the shot and overall efficacy. Like there have been the improvements, like we talked about the release is better. The quickness is better. The shot perhaps better. Just the overall willingness is better, but like need to see it throughout the whole year. But in terms of what he brings like all around, if the shot can fall, like I think that he has the potential to be a starting caliber player in the league with all of his ancillary skills on top of that. So I, I do think like there's probably going to be some stuff with him where it's just like, ah, oh, well, you know, he's played for so long this and that but I, so i imagine like he will probably end up like I, I think he's pretty much secured himself as a first round guy like obviously things could change but 
with what he's shown this year um, and how well Illinois has played minus their most recent game. But like, you know, uh, yeah, I think that I that would be my first answer here. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you there. It sort of slipped my mind because um, we talked about him so much recently. Yeah. I was trying to think of someone else. And so I don't want to go too, too, too in depth there. But but I agree. Um, he probably will be someone that might just get hit with the, the age thing. And that's why we've seen players fall in the past. And we will continue to see it happen, um, most likely. But that's the interesting thing about this class. And we've talked about it before. It's not the most intriguing returning class. And and sure, we have seen guys play well, right? Like Tur- Turk Smith is playing well. Coleman Hawkins and TSJ are playing well. But I, I really do think from in terms of like four-year players, it's sort of just uh, Terrence Shannon Jr. off the top of my head. I think what Marcus Sasser, I guess, does count as well. But I don't have the confidence level I and him as I did in Desmond Bain. So I don't want to make that kind of comparison, right? Sure. Um, so I'm trying to think. Terrence, I think I don't really have anyone else off the top of my head besides Terrence Shannon Jr., honestly. Uh, this is a random shot. I haven't watched tons of Xavier this year, but have you? do you feel any better about Colby Jones as a prospect? <laughs> He's another one that I thought about bringing up here. Yeah. Um, ultimately didn't decide to, obviously, but mm-hmm. I, I'm still intrigued there. I think he's someone where how he's used is going to play a, a big part of Definitely. whether he's successful or not. And I think that's something in the past where, I mean, I still value it, but I do think if you have to be used in a certain kind of way, it, it does have some, it just shows your limitations, right? If you, if you can't just be plugged in in any kind of way and succeed. Um, so I do think that is worth noting, but in the right role, I do think he could have NBA success. Yeah, no, I agree. He's been really awesome and turned it on lately. But again, like when you're talking about in terms of prospect status, like he's taking more threes, but it's still just like not a super notable level. The sample size is still pretty small. Granted, he has shot way better at the line this year, and that feels more real, like especially just looking at his mechanics. I feel like it's cleaned up. Um, So he's like he's an NBA guy for sure. But I just in terms of like talking about that kind of upside, I'm not sure I'm there. Um, Yeah, I I have Oh, sorry, the man. weird thing with him, though, I, th- I think the passing has looked better this year also, by the way. Um, oh, but, definitely. But th- the rebounding isn't standing out to me as much this year as it has in the past. And maybe that's because he's being asked to do a little bit more um, with the ball and just have more responsibilities. They also do play two real bigs next to him now um, more often, it seems like. So maybe that plays a part in it as well. But yeah, he- he's been fun to watch. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's just, it's tough because I was so high on Desmond Bain. So I'm trying to compare people to how I was high yeah. on him. And, it, and I don't think anyone's going to really match that. And I think it's it's tough to really compare Nemhard to Bain at this level also, even though Nemhard has played well, like it's, it's been a short amount of success for Nemhard while we've seen Bain be a really, really good player, even in a playoff series already. So, right. So, yeah, I do actually have one more name I want to throw out. And again, it's not, it's not the same. I, or I should say, I would doubt it's the same level. He hasn't had quite the year that I was thinking, but I think part of that has just been the overall team. But I do think Colin Castleton is a guy who could really um, carve out a pretty good role in the NBA. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that to an extent. I was really impressed with the early season play that he had this year. I do think the last, I want to say, few weeks, I haven't been as impressed with him. Um, yeah. like when they 
went up against Xavier. He looked all right. West Virginia didn't look good. Um, the UConn game was all right, but like, I don't think he's really standing out and dominating like he did the first four or five games of the season against the bad competition, right? So I, I want to yep. see him dominate conference play, which I thought he could have done that last year, to be honest. I was sort of expecting him to dominate conference play last year, and he didn't really. Obviously, still had a good season, but I agree. I think he has shown more. I think he's he's been willing to shoot a little bit more this year as well. I think he's moving a little bit better. Um, yeah. I'm, do you think he's a full 6'11", by the way? No. Yeah, I, don't I think, think he's so probably six nine or six ten, but he does yeah, have I, a really, really big wingspan. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't think he's he's six eleven, but but yeah, no, I, I think he's definitely someone to to keep an eye on for sure. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk about him again in future episodes. Definitely, and that's that team is just like it, they're they have like good stuff, but like they also don't so it's just it they're 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 hard to to parse through at like a higher level um yeah but um yeah so on to the next question uh we got multiple questions about Tariq Whitehead so I just decided to to bunch them all together um I will be completely blunt I am catching up on Duke later today but I do think from talking about uh looking at you know who he has been as a prospect prior to this and just noting context, I do want to hit on that. And I, I'll let, I'll let you, I'll see the floor to you first, but then I'll, I, I can weigh in after. Yeah. I think it's fine to talk about him. So I want to talk about our thoughts on him first, because we actually haven't talked about him on the pod yet. I don't think we so. Yeah. So just overall, it's been a, a slow start to the year for him. Unfortunately, I think everyone already knows that he has looked better recently. Mm-hmm. One thing I want to say is in this recent game against Maryland Eastern, um, I think that was the first game of this season he started. He still started off pretty rough. He was, I think, oh, two for eight at one point in the game. And then they got into garbage time. And that's when all of those good buckets came. Um, like you saw that, you probably saw the highlight dunk, even if you haven't watched the game yet. Um, yep. which to be fair, like even if it is garbage time, you still want to see that from him, right? You, you don't yep. really care if that's against bad competition or garbage time. That's what you want to see from him. Um, but yeah, I do think it's it's worth noting that he did struggle in that game as well. With him overall, I think we just have to be patient. I think it's definitely worth noting that he has struggled. I think just how people don't want to overreact to this kind of stuff, it's still just as important to note this stuff as well. You just have to be open to changing your opinion. I think for everyone, it's not just like guys who are coming off injuries. It's just early season samples, right? Yeah. You don't want to ignore all this kind of information that we get just want to note it and then be open to changing your opinion as the season moves on. I think it can be just as detrimental if you just ignore this stuff when maybe it does matter. Um, but yeah, with him, I think that the stuff that he's shown well so far, I think his physicality has shown and he's had some really dope rebounds and some nice defensive possessions, but overall, I don't think he's really creating good looks when he when he's driving to the rim. The finishing hasn't been great. Um, he's hit some shots off the dribble, but the three doesn't look good. It, it's just tough, but but like we said, um, just got to be patient with him. I want to see how he looks in another two or three weeks because these last two games against Iowa and Maryland Eastern Shore were the first two games all season he got me. So now I think he's going to be able to get into a rhythm. And, and early on, I'm not sure if it was a full minute restriction 
or if it was that he wasn't playing well enough in, in their tough competition games to be on the floor. I'm not exactly sure which one it was, but he was always in the between the 10 and 17 minute range. And now it's been 21 and 25 the last two games. So I think now over time, he's going to be able to get into a rhythm. We'll be able to see him play more. And then in a couple of weeks, let's check back in like in the middle of January and see how he's looking then. And I think that's when you'll be able to have stronger opinions and know where the season's going with him. Yeah. And and going off that as well, like, I think I, I don't really have tons to add to that. It's just important to note like that, that, I mean, that ankle injury happened very uh, late in the process for him. And that clearly impeded him. Like he put on quite a bit of weight. That's been pretty notable. Um, Sorry to interrupt for one second. I think he missed 12 weeks of, of practice and, and games. I want to say mm-hmm. I'm not, not hundred percent sure, but I'm pretty sure it was 12 weeks, which is, which is a lot of time. And if, it's, if yeah. it was like eight to 10, that's still a lot of time. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. And like, I think, so like, like you're mentioning, you just got to have patience with it. Um, because one of the, the, I mean, one of the questions that we got within this was how bad will he have to play to slip out a lot, which I don't love the wording on that. I don't think it was meant as like to sound like that, but just in terms of like, I, I think with what his uh, pre-college sample is like, I think he's, unless something like really drastic happens or he really doesn't improve at all over the back end, then I think we can have that conversation. But I think right now he's pretty solidly locked in with 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 where he could go. Um, I So I think that's more of like a wait and see thing for me. Um, because I'm pretty confident that he's going to look better as he already has started to a little bit. But um, yeah, so just just to I just wanted to hit on that a little bit. Yeah, to add to that, I'm with you. It's too early right now. He's still a lot of lock to me as well. Uh, but yeah, maybe when like, like I said, let's check in the middle of January. If stuff hasn't even improved at all come middle of January, then, then, it's then I think then it's like, okay. I'd still be like hesitant to change too much, but I'd be definitely more open to it because we would definitely have a large enough sample size on the season to be like, oh, okay, you still have to take into account. I feel like the mentality side of injuries as well definitely plays a part where, especially with your ankle, like you might not feel comfortable attacking the basket very often and and that's not going to create the best looks for yourself, right? Just because of your Mm -hmm. movements. So all of that stuff has to be taken into account. But yeah, if there's no improvements over the next three weeks um next four weeks sure we can revisit and then see how stuff looks then but i do think these last couple of games have at least been slight improvements that i'm, I'm assuming will will feel better about him come a come a month definitely um moving on to our next question from pat c who are the most mobile bigs in this class and are there any notable ones you see being available outside the first round i liked this question so you can start here, yeah. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll just list the mobile bigs. Like, obviously, Vic, uh, very mobile big and also very big. So he's at the top. Uh, probably not going to fall to the second round by my estimations. Um, I mean, Jarris Walker, I think I would consider him a big. Like, he's a big. He's a forward. Um, but, like, definitely a big. Are we considering Dylan Mitchell a big? Because, <laughs> like... Uh, I get... <laughs> I, I don't know honestly exactly. like I, um, I was gonna bring him up also I'm like eh, i think we do for this exercise yeah. like just because yeah so dylan mitchell kalel Ware for sure is on that gradient um i'll would you include Derek lively in here 
to be determined. Yeah, um, I was going to say, I don't think I would either. What about Filipowski for you, though? I don't think he quite meets the super... Like, he's mobile and rangy, but, like, in a way where it's more like, oh, I feel comfortable with him to a degree I didn't expect, rather than this guy's mobile as shit. Like, that... Yeah, and, and you probably view him more mobile on, like, the offensive end than the defensive end, right? Like yeah, and even, like, I do think it's been better defensively than I expected. But, like, yeah, again, right. it's more like, okay, well, he's not covering ground the way that any of the three guys we just mentioned before him are. Right. Um, And just to qual- quantify on, on Lively, I think it, like, obviously he moves really quick north to south. I just think, like, the lateral stuff is, that's where I would have a lot of questions about mobility right now. Um. Looking at others, I'm not... Where are you putting Coleman Hawkins here? That's a good question. I guess Coleman would have to be here. I think he's like in between Flip and where the first three were. Yeah, I, I was going to say he's probably around that also. Uh, maybe closer to Filipowski, I yeah, think. Yeah, I would say closer to Filipowski than the top guys. Um, You put Deron Holmes in this. Uh, that's tough. Yeah. Not, I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, and then, oh, okay. Uh, I don't want to, uh, would you put Baji in this group? No. Okay. Just want to check. Um, I think I'm trying to make sure that I covered all my bases. (sighs) Ah. He's not getting enough playing time to get considered a prospect this year, probably, but Taurus Reed would be here. Um, just play him more, god damn it. Uh I th- yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, Cockbrenner's not mobile. Um, trying to think who else. I guess Brazil could have been put here. Um yeah. he was healthy. I still think that um he ooh, has some- ooh, I forgot one. Forgot one. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Adembona. Adembona's on here. Yeah. Um, I have not been a huge fan of the defense, though. I, I'm trying to remember what game it was that I was watching recently. Um, it honestly might have just been the Oregon game. He had some pretty rough defensive possessions, like out of the pick and roll, switching on to someone. Um, it was it was pretty rough. And the, the it was more footwork than anything, though, but the footwork yeah. was pretty rough in those in those possessions. Yeah, well, I think this can be an interesting flowing. In- well, because right now I think Coleman is like borderline first round. I think Bona is like he's probably second round and back to school. I would say right now. Would you be around there? Yeah, I, I think that um, with him, it's mostly just want to see more playing time. I'm not playing time, but just see him improve. I don't think. It hasn't been a great start to the year, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but not like that. I'm out on him as a prospect. I just don't think it's been a great start. It's been a little bit underwhelming, but we'll see. I, I think they played well in the Maryland game yesterday, but so did everyone else on the team. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> I think everybody except anybody on Maryland played well in that game. So shout yeah. out to our guy, Jalen Clark, 16, 6, 3, and 3 in the first half. The, the crazy thing is, I was watching that live and it was like, 
three minutes into the game, it was zero zero, and I'm like, okay, I was expecting this to be a very <laughs> yeah, I, dude. I, was I saw the score. a low scoring. Yeah, it was, was like five minutes in, it was six to nothing. I was like, what the yeah. baseball hell is this? And going yeah. into the game, I was like, okay, this is gonna be a fun close game. It might get ugly, but it'll be fun and close. And like after three four minutes, I'm like, yeah, this is ugly, <laughs> but it's close. And then. I looked up a little bit later and uh, the score is 20 point game. And then it gets to like 35 at some point almost. So yeah, not, not the best game, unfortunately, but I actually, I want to take this and flow into, we're skipping over a question. We'll go back to it, but I want to flow into talking about UCLA. Cause we got a good question from Mavs draft rank the UCLA draft prospects. Um, can I just sit, start off by saying first and foremost, you have talked about this multiple times. We've talked about this multiple times. Jesus Christ. Please up the pace. Like, this is so hard to watch sometimes. Like, I know that it's Mick Cronin, and it's like, it's frustrating because I used to love watching Cincinnati play when Mick Cronin was there. Like, I love their defense. They just had every fringe prospect that existed in the 2010s. Um, like, I'll never forget the team that won like 32 games that it was like Cumberland and Gary Clark. And it was like every single guy who was undersized and gritty played on that team. And I loved it. This is not that team like they have the athletes to be extremely active in transition. And like there will be times where like even I was again, I was watching the Baylor game this morning and like they had so many opportunities where like they had a five on three and they're walking the ball up the court. And it's like, oh, dude, it's it's the weird thing about that also is I think the Illinois game is actually the game this year where they look to push the pace the most. Um, I think it was more so in the first half than the second half. Um, in the second half, they couldn't get the ball past half court. But um, yeah, it's interesting because so many of their players can succeed in transition and in the open court. And while I do think that it does speak to some players that if you need to be out in transition to have success, that's probably not showcasing you have the best set of skills overall but in terms of just them as a team and and enjoying watching them and putting their players in better spots to succeed i think so many other players would be so much better if they were able to get out and run more and it's not like they have to force the running it's it's there and they're just purposely slowing it down yeah i agree it is a it is something this is still like it's a very fun and good team but it's just like it can be infuriating at times when you see those possessions play out um like in spite of that they've been extremely good offensively like they're seventh in offensive rating in in the country right now they have good wins against marquee opponents um they really haven't gotten blown out or struggled too too much with anybody um so i mean there there's good stuff here it's just like yeah i will say the maryland game the maryland game is the only good win i'd say because i don't really think oregon or stanford are are good wins um, I thought the Baylor one was pretty good. No, 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 they lost to Baylor. Oh wait, I'm, I'm, I'm. Yeah, my mind. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're right. Sorry, I, it's, it's been a morning. Uh, yeah, okay, that's fair. I didn't, I did not think that through. But we'll see. They have, they have Kentucky coming up on on Saturday, so that will be a fun one. I think this team is better than Kentucky, but I also just, I have a lot of Kentucky questions. Um. Yeah. So, all right. Ranking their prospects. I think what's really difficult about UCLA is that I just don't know how to view some of their guys. Like we talked about this earlier in the year. I'll, I'll Let's start off with this one. 
how do you feel about Jaime Hawkins this season? So I've said it before with him, and I actually think he has shown some improvements now. But my 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 thing with him is I was quite intrigued with him his first year or two at UCLA and then last year and early part of this year. I honestly didn't think he showed much improvement, which was pretty concerning for me. Um I still have a lot of the similar questions as I did in the past, but I do think his his finishing has been better this year. Um, but yeah, I don't think he's able to create the best looks for himself. And the shot has not gotten better. I think he shot well his, his, his sophomore year, but it hasn't looked good in any other year pretty much. And it actually look, has looked worse these last two years than it did um, even his, compared to his freshman year. So I'm not really sure where he's going to give much NBA success right now. I, maybe he's someone who, who gets better running out in transition. Um, I think his, his passing was intriguing to me in the past. I do think he has some cases of like tunnel vision on some of his drives where he forces shots up instead of making the right play though. Um, but yeah, where do you stand with him? I, I don't want to sound overly critical, but I think he's like back of the second undrafted to me right now like maybe a two-way guy um just because of all the things you mentioned like how he scores is not something i feel is replicable in the nba mm -hmm. or at least something that i think a team is really going to buy into because so much of ucla's offense can just be get jaime the ball in a mismatch in in the mid post or deep post and let him go to work and i think what has like you're mentioning, like I wish that there was more passing out of the post and seeing that. I feel like we saw more of that in the past and it hasn't quite been the case this year. And that's to be fair, like he's really effective scoring on mismatches, but in the games where it's not effective, like Baylor, Baylor game down the stretch, like I think that it stands out. Like same thing against Illinois, like he was getting switches on to like Terrence Shannon Jr. And like Sky Clark is not an awesome defender, obviously, but like he's strong enough to make it like not just an automatic bucket. And I think those are the kind of things where it just, it makes me really question what his role is going to be. And I, I like, I think he's a solid defender, but I don't think that he's like this level of defender that's going to make some of the offensive flaws easy to paper over. Yeah. I think he's smart, but that's, that's like what he has going for him. I think, I think he's smart on the defensive end, but I don't think he does too much else there to where like, okay. Yeah. Like, I struggle to score, but I'm going to bring you a lot of defensive value. I don't think he has enough there. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right. So would you would you have him last out of the, I guess, are, so are we just going to go with, with Bona, him, Amari, and Jalen Clark? Were those four in the question? I actually, I have a fifth one I'm going to bring up. Uh, is it Dylan Andrews or someone else? It's David Singleton. Dude, David okay. Singleton's been awesome this year. Like, yeah. Uh, he's and to be fair, he's probably not draftable. Like, or not, I shouldn't say not draftable. He's probably a two-way guy, but mm -hmm. I actually think he could stick in the league because, like, so aside from the shooting, what what are your biggest um positives with him aside from the shooting? Because we all know he doesn't miss shots, and <laughs> looking at his three-point shooting over the years is actually really ridiculous. He's at fifty percent this year. Was at forty-five percent last year. Forty-seven point six the year before. Um just a ridiculous shooter yeah he's like in a weird mold because he's like he's kind of built like norman powell to be honest but like more broad across the, the chest um so he's like very much like a two three that isn't really super guard skill heavy but like he actually has been making some quality reads and passes this year out of his shooting gravity i think 
Um, I don't think like the interior finishing is anything incredible. Like he's mostly going to be a a pull up two guy instead of actually getting to the rim. But like the shooting yeah, through, is... through eleven games, by the way, through eleven games, he has seven shots at the rim. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> that sounds about right. Um, but like I think this year, like he's gone from being somebody who's like a shooting specialist to being like a legit legit shooter for me. Um, like he's doing stuff off. Like they, I mean, they'll run a ton of Spain actions, and he's really good as a Spain shooter. Like he's fantastic coming off movement. Um, I don't really think he's showing any pull up equity, but that doesn't really matter for his role. And I think he's pretty solid defensively. Like he's not amazing, but I think he can. Again, he's in a weird spot with who he can and can't guard. Um, but he's really long too. So I like again, like the, of course it's it's like. 953 Pacific and I'm telling you that I think David Singleton should be like the 56th pick of the draft and get a two-way contract but like yeah I think he's he's a guy who I think will get a cup of coffee in the NBA and could really stick if he develops one or two more things yeah no I think that's fair to bring up for sure um obviously there are questions and concerns but that's why he's not a surefire pick right that's why he's just someone that's oh he should be at least considered as a two-way guy and I think that's fair when you have that kind of shooting um you sort of just can't ignore it, but you do want to bring more to the table. Right. And yeah. his ability to like with teams, if they just run him off the three point line, is he going to be able to, to punish that? Our teams might just be like, okay, we don't think you're going to be able to get to the basket, take your mid range shot. We don't think you're a good enough mid range shooter to really um, hurt our defense that much. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if, if you're in on him as being a, solidly above average defender to go along with that kind of shooting. I think you have a, a good case. Um, but yeah, I, I do think you want to be able to do more than just shoot. And, and like you said, he has had some passing and the defense isn't bad, but I, I think you want those other skills to be better. Yeah. But yeah, definitely someone to keep an eye on for sure. Yeah. Um, so, so are you, is he, is he the last one then you have Hawkeyes above him? Uh, Cause the question I would, is to rank them, right? Yeah. I guess I would have him and Hawkeyes like, I think they could be tied for me, honestly, but um, like they'd be in the same range. Uh, I think Bona would be fourth for me right now. Um, He's tough because like, I think, because there's a a later question about watching high school and AAU stuff. Like Bona is just so fascinating and intriguing to me because like he hasn't gotten to really show it this year, but he can legitimately handle the ball pretty well. Um, Like the drives and stuff he had at prolific, were really, really enticing and fun to watch. Um, and he's had some like DHO keepers this year, not a ton of them. Um, and the movement skills at his size are like pretty re- remarkable. Like there just aren't guys who can move their feet like that, who can get up like he can. But I think part of what is difficult is like, okay, Adembona is probably 6'9". Um, like he is very much in that without being the same player, that same thing, the same grouping as Onyeka Kongwu. Like, um, he really, I don't even think that he's a bad post defender, but just by virtue of being 6'9", he has had issues with just getting scored over. Like, in that game against Illinois, as good as, I like, I think he played pretty decently in that game, but, like, uh, until the last couple minutes, like, Dane Danger, like, ate him alive in the post in that game, partially just because he's bigger and heck, could wasn't super bothered um and i think that that's been an issue a couple times for them this year uh with just being able to score over him in the in the post and that's not everything but i do think again when you're talking about what his upside is that matters um 
like you mentioned earlier on, I think like the lateral quickness and mobility at his size is ridiculous, but the actual like defensive discipline is not there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, like he can have some of these plays out of like uh, they'll ice a, a ball screen and then switch him out. And he's like ridden somebody out into almost um, like making them get a backcourt violation. But then there are also plays where he literally like trucks a dude over because he can't control his, his motion. Like, so I think that's been an issue for him. I think the pick and roll defense has been pretty hit or miss. Like there have been moments where it looks good. I think he's pretty much at his best when he can blitz somebody um, when they can use him in like hard hedges. Um, and I don't really think that the rim protection is awesome. I think the rim protection really comes out of his ability to just stop the ball with his mobility. Um, and I, like, I do think that there are actual things there with him as a rim protector, but it's mostly like weak side stuff. I don't think he's somebody I view as being a, a capable primary rim protector yet or, or really in time, but he has a lot of things to work on and improve. But again, like that stuff is fun and really enticing and i think that's really flashy and draws people and it draws don't get me wrong it draws me um but then offensively he is also in a weird spot because one of the things i've loved like i think the short role playmaking has been really good from him this year based on what i think my expectations were like he had a really good play in the baylor game where keontae george met him up like you know five feet above the restricted area because they're like okay well we don't think you can like we're going to try and just make you hit a shot. And then somebody cut baseline and Bona found them within like, without even looking like it. And he's had multiple passes like that this year. Um, I think like he's, he does good stuff as a screener needs to improve his technique for sure. So you can see like the DHO idea and what he can do with that. But outside of lobs, the finishing is just really going to be an issue for him because I don't really think he has a lot of touch on floaters and push shots yet. Like, I think there were, there, there were flashes at, at prolific of him being able to do that. I think he's had some moments this year, but for the most part, it's like you have to be so good at the touch shots. And um, and he doesn't even get to the line all that much either, which I think is tough because like, all right, that's one of the other things you'd think like, all right, maybe if he can just use his physicality to really bully people, find ways to get to the rim, even if he's not getting the ball in the basket, like find a way to get yourself fouled. He hasn't really found that balance yet. Um, so I think like he's just the the idea of what he can do is really good offensively. But it just is it the the limitations make it really hard to to get the most out of him. I think. That yeah, to add run. on <laughs> to add on to some of the offensive stuff, um, and the usage. I remember just watching him with the Turkey U twenty team over the summer, and he was running as like a ball handler in the pick and roll in some scenarios. Like there was just one play when they were playing Germany. He's a ball handler, comes off a pick and roll, spins back to the middle and makes a floater or a layup over a contested the rim. So definitely have not really seen that get the opportunity, um, him get the opportunity at UCLA. Also thought he had some nice timely cuts over the summer as well. So there definitely is some stuff to like still, but I'm with you. Um, I, like I said before, I still think it has been an underwhelming season in general, and I would prefer, or I'm more intrigued as of now with um, Jalen Clark and Amari Bailey than I am with him, but that's not something that I'm locked into whatsoever. Yeah, I completely agree with you, but he, like, again, like you mentioned, I think like he's somebody where when you watch his tape from before coming to college, like that's part of the thing where it's like, okay, well, what if he goes somewhere else that like leans into some of the other things that he can do and tries to see what that looks like. Like, I think that's what maybe colors your perspective differently. So it's something to think about for sure. 
Yeah, definitely something that um, once the season's over, probably should go back and, and go watch more of the FIBA stuff and go watch some of the high school stuff again. And um, definitely stuff to, to, to remember. And I think that's just something in general that's interesting with prospects, right? Where where you are someone with, with skills, but you don't get the opportunity to show them at college. And sometimes just like not going to the best brand name college is the best opportunity for you, right? You want to yeah. be able to showcase your skills. And yeah, I think there is something to be said for at least Kentucky, where Kentucky still gets their guys to the league, whether they play well or not, for the most part. It's a little bit harder at other schools um, yeah. to, to still go high if you don't play well. So finding that right spot for you to showcase what NBA teams want to see is important. Definitely. All right. Who do you have as your second guy? Because I know who I have as my second guy, but I wanted to see. Yeah, I think I'm going to say Jalen Clark a second for me right now. Okay. And and that's mostly um, because well, I, I do think Amari has played a lot better recently. Um, but I also do think that Jalen Clark's shooting volume from three has not been where I want it to be. He had that one five or eight game, right? In the third game of the year. Yeah. And that, that's, that's sort of skewing his numbers a lot. After that game, he only, he didn't shoot a three in the next game, two threes the following game, and then shoot another three in the next two games. So only had two threes attempted in the next four after the five or eight game. Um, last couple of games, he shot three, four, and two. So he's getting them up again, but yeah, the, the volume is, is not where I want it to be for me to think about, Oh, this guy is actually a really, really good prospect. Still think he's a good prospect with the, he makes so much happen on defense. It's so fun to watch. And even on offense, it seems like he's always in the right spot. Um, but yeah, I do want that three point volume to be higher for me to, to be intrigued even more. And that isn't to say that he can't increase the volume, but it's, not something that he's ever done before and it's not like he's a young player either but one thing to note is he only had 27 threes in 29 games last year he is at 24 through 10 games this year so it has increased still at a low level but it has increased yeah um just to to, to reference really quick um Jaime Hakas, who has been a good player this year uh has an 11.2 bpm and bpm is not everything Jalen Clark's BPM is 17.2 this year, which that I I need to check, but that is like definitely top 20 in the country, probably higher. Like that's kind of just an insane number. So I'm on Bart right now and Bart's BPM is different than basketball reference, Uh, but he's at 16.2 BPM on Bart, which is the number one in the country. Oh yeah. 17.2 for uh, basketball reference is top in the country. So yeah. Yeah. The productivity has been insane. Like you, I, this is my easy way of saying he is my number one guy. Um, yeah. But do you want to talk about him first? Then yeah, let's talk about it. Him. It, it doesn't. It doesn't really matter who we go to first. I, I think him versus Amari for me was close. It's more I think of um, priors, which is why I'm my way for now yeah. because I, I did like Amari coming into the year, and I think he had a he struggled to start the year. I think he has played better recently. And um, we had the questions about Jalen Clark's shot to start the year. And while he has looked better, the volume isn't enough for me to fully change that opinion. Um, but I'm 100% open to that. And we still have two or three months. And if, if he keeps dominating how he has so far this year, um, it's, it's going to be tough to, to not have him the best guy on that team. But he's just been so good. And like I said, makes a lot of stuff happen on defense. But 
even just rebounding and, and just in the right spot on offense all the time. Yeah, I think I would have him tabbed as a first round prospect right now. It would be back end for sure. Um, I know like I because I'm right with you. Like I want the shot up more. Like when he took eight threes in a game, like I thought I was gonna die because it was the greatest <laughs> thing that ever happened. Um, but like you mentioned, like the defense is so good. Like, I don't think like like it's not like the greatest defense I've ever seen, but it's again like it's the ranginess. He's really in control. His hands are so active. He's really good in the passing lanes. He can guard up. He can guard down. Like he he's just really good, really really good defensively. And I think it's in a way that translates to the pro game too because he has a really strong frame. He has pretty good feet. Um, I think he's going to be better as a wing defender than a guard defender. Um, like I, I don't I don't think that he's somebody I view as like being a guy who can really just like lock in and lock down a point guard. So he's much better with what he can do roaming off the ball. And just mucking things up but i do think like again there's just a lot of utility in what he brings but then you mentioned the offense like he's extremely effective in transition um which that already sounds like a i'm talking myself into an undrafted guy but like point being like the, the transition stuff is really good um and i think in the transitions where you see his p- passing really pop like i think that he's a much better passer than the assist numbers indicate right now um he's a quality ball handler not an amazing ball handler but i think especially for his position and size like it's fine um and then, like you mentioned, like he just moves really well within the flow of the offense. And I think what's difficult is like, like you mentioned, I think this year the drives really pop, but it's like, okay, well, if you're not shooting, where are the drives? And what's difficult is like he has gotten, he's become like arguably one of the most elite energy bucket players in basketball. But again, like, okay. I think I've gotten more open to accepting that as like a mold of scoring in the NBA that can round out things. But again, like without the drives and without shooting volume, it is really hard to, to factor in somebody to, to be that level of player, um, to be, be a guy like that you're worth, like that, that you're willing to invest in heavily. Um, so I think like, I probably view his shooting upside a little bit, better like i think i believe in a team like saying like okay we can we believe in in improving your shot and improving that and and just getting the most out of you like maybe a team will will really like i think some teams will value that more than others and i am definitely somebody who would probably weigh in more on that uh as you know with my my tsj love for forever um so i would have him i would have him first but again like yeah i don't think that's i don't think that's something that's a wild take either honestly i think i think calling him a, a fringe first guy totally makes sense right now especially with what he's shown um something to keep an eye on is yeah is this shot a small sample like good percentage or is the shot going to be good all year right so i think in addition to the volume i just want to see if the shot can stay consistent throughout the year and i don't need it to be 42 percent all year yeah, right like i agree Obviously, that five for eight game or this early start could, I mean, I, I don't want to say excuse numbers because it's all part of the sample, but I, I would like to see him like from here to the rest of the year, like just shoot 35% the rest of the way. And I'd yeah. be like, okay, cool. And then I'm put up a little bit more volume because, um, yeah, the, the the shooting numbers have never been good in the past. The free throw numbers aren't that great either. I do think he his finishing on the basket has been good though, which is good to see. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I just want to see the volume and the shots stay consistent. But if he continues to stay on the pace that he is, um, I, I probably will end up having him a little bit higher than I do right now. But I, I want to see a little bit more. Definitely agree. Um, well, yeah, let's talk about Amari. Uh, and I feel like I, I need to say too, like I think I have Amari as like a fringe first guy right now too. Like he is, uh, 
he's fun. Like I've gotten higher on him this year than I was pre-college. Um, like I think like all the scoring stuff was really enticing with what he did last year, but the passing has really been good this year. Like I think compared to what my expectations were, um, like that has really been very fun to watch for me. Like he's done a PD, uh, tweeted about this recently, but just like in terms of like, you know, the playmaking skills, uh, rating from Cerebro for him is like the highest it's ever been. And that, yeah, that, 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 that jives with what I'm seeing on court, like the, um, the connectiveness within the offense from him has been really good. And I think when you're talking about the kind of role he's probably going to have in the NBA, that's been really nice to see. Yeah. I think that the passing is probably what has stood out the most. Um, I think the shot up until the last few games, the shot from three was looking good. Once again, volume was not high. He's actually shooting less trees than Jalen Clark, which I think it's not the best sign, to be honest. I want him to shoot more threes, but he does like getting to his mid-range a lot. Um, he really does like his mid-range, so hopefully yes, he, he can expand that. Hopefully he can expand it out to three. Um, but I don't think the three has looked that awful, to be honest. I think it's been all right. He is getting a lot of dunks, which is really interesting considering how little UCLA runs, right? Um, he already has 10 dunks on the season which is actually pretty crazy to think about. I just saw that right now. Wait, how many dunks does he have? He, he has he has 10 dunks on the season already. Wow. I would not have guessed that. It's actually yeah. that kind of that that's that's really funny for me because I uh I was thinking about this when I was watching A the Baylor game and when I was watching the Illinois game not that long ago. It feels like so often, like he goes up for a shot through and like that's gonna get blocked, and then it doesn't. And it's like I feel like every other finish because he's like so crafty. Like he has like a ton of the underhand finishes, inside hand finishes, and I'm just like, ah, that's there's no way that's going in. And then it does. I'm like, oh, what do I know? Yeah, I, I honestly think in the in the half court, the finishing um could be better. Yeah, I, I do think in the half court, the finishing hasn't been that good. I think it has been um better as of recently but to start the year i think he had missed some shots at the rim that he should be making and that was a little bit concerning which was probably part of the story was early in the year but he has gone into a rhythm but i just put in just freshman with 10 dunks this season um short list taylor hendricks adam bona anthony black jaris walker hello Ware, mark mitchell Dylan mitchell mari bailey Derek lively where those are the oh and, and real pain are the the high major ones right so yeah a lot of um, good prospects up there, but all those guys are like six, seven, and above, six, eight, and above. And and Amari Bailey is six, five, right? Six, four, six, five. So yeah. it's really interesting, especially considering, like we said, they aren't the team to get out and run um, that often. Obviously, his dunks are mostly coming in transition. So it is when they are running, but it's not like, they're running that often to where he, he probably could even have more if he's on a team that was in transition more often. Yeah. No, that's fascinating to think about. Um, in terms about the rest of his game, like I think the scoring mold is like that. I mean, that, that feels just obvious. Like it's, it's, he's a really, really impressive scorer. And I think again, like seeing the, just like he needs to take more threes. Like I think again, like just in terms of what his overall projection is, that's where we're both at. Are you at all worried about the free throw numbers? A little bit. I think it's still a really small sample size yeah, to be too yeah. worried. It's not even 20 attempts, right? So 
a little bit worried. I mean, you you look at anyone shooting forty, like a guard shooting forty seven percent from the free throw line, you're definitely it's going to catch your eye. Um, but it's seventeen attempts right now, so it's not something where I'm like, okay, let me let me hold off. Just going to keep an eye on it. And I think it's too small of a sample size to really um, mean too much right now. But I also do think that along with the finishing, I'd like to see him get to the free throw line more. I think that. Yeah. The, the, the small sample from the free throw line he's not getting to the free throw line more so i want to see that what have you thought about his off-ball movement though by the way i think it's actually been pretty good like he's been active as a cutter mm-hmm. um from what i've seen and i've liked that i think that it, like part of the frustration is like i feel like he he puts himself in good spots to to shoot and then he like checks into a mid-ranger or like he'll drive and like i appreciate like drives but also like dude you got open shots and um, so that's stuff that I want to see improve. But like like you mentioned, like I think he's just really fit in incredibly well as an off-ball player in a way that I didn't expect. Yeah, there's been times where I, just, I, I see him reading the defense well, or there's even when he's on the ball, he gives it up and he sets his man up to get the ball back on a cut or something. I just think yeah. he, he's doing a really good job for a freshman moving without the ball for the most part. And maybe it's not the most consistent thing, but just some of the, some of the small things he's doing on offense um, is standing out. How do you feel about his defense? The defense has been a little bit inconsistent, um, I think, but there has been flashes. I think he's been a little bit, like, not the best discipline on that end. I think he's biting on a lot of stuff. Um, But you definitely can see the flashes, and he has shown some physicality on that end. Yeah. Yeah, I think the physicality, like you mentioned, has been what I've most appreciated from him. Because, like like we mentioned, like, I think Illinois really tried to find ways to mismatch in the post, and – um even though again illinois ends up winning that game i thought amari held himself pretty well in that uh which was again impressive to see so i continue to really enjoy his physicality especially when you're considering like he's a six four six five wing essentially like i wouldn't call him a guard like he i mean yes he's an off guard but he's really again kind of in that two three mold so seeing that physicality on both ends has been really nice yeah, for sure. Um, so do you have anything else to talk about on the UCLA stuff or do you want to move on? I am ready to move on. Um, so going into the next question from Jordan Ennis, we have two from him. Uh, and let's do, well, yeah, because the second question flows into the next question, actually. So let's do, can anyone pass Scoot for second this year? And if so, who? So at least from college, I am little skeptical based off of what we've seen so far mm-hmm. i do think um whitmore has looked pretty solid so far but i don't want to go ahead and say he's going to pass you because i think that's incredibly unlikely for me i think i'm very intrigued with everything that scoops has done from last year um at his age in the g league to this year and his in the, in the small season when he's played so i find it unlikely there if it were to happen it'd be um thompson twins but i I find it pretty unlikely but i I wouldn't rule it out but i i really do find it hard for me to move someone else to number um to a top two spot in this class besides uh vic and scoop yeah no i agree i think if it's going to be anybody for me it would be amen but i probably would not just because scoot like i think what's so difficult about this class in some ways is like as an amazing as Vic is I think it's almost at the expense of Scoot it feels like like it always is like okay well Vic's number one and then who's going to be the guys that round out the top five it feels like that's always the conversation instead of well hey this guy Scoot Henderson is pretty fucking good at basketball 
Um, like he's so good, man. Like I just I think like I know, like I am not going to forget how awesome Vic was in that matchup in Vegas in those two games. Scoot was so good, also though. But exactly, game. like dude, I I like that that one dribble move that Scoot had, uh, like on the far side of the court, so right side of the court. Like coming down and basically does like an around the world dribble to get around a defender. Like that was insane. Like I, I, that was like the highlight of, of, of that, um, of that event for me. And like, yeah, I just, I'm there with you. I need to catch up on more of this season's G League stuff. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I, I would so. really struggle to move him out of second. Yeah, since since college has started, I've been so locked into college that uh, I definitely can catch up more on G League and overtime and even some international. Um, but but that's why I like to do that stuff. Like international always starts before college and, and even uh-huh. NBA sometimes. So like I always watch international early on in the year. Then the first month of college basketball, the first month and a half, I'm just like locked in, um, locked into college basketball. Then I, I I venture out back to the G League and overtime and other stuff. So definitely need to to catch up on them more but have seen some stuff and but yeah we we saw scoot last year what he was doing at his age last year in the g league is just so so impressive because we've seen all these other guys on the ignite before with with kuminga and 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 jalen green and and all these other guys dyson daniels hardy and and scoot was looked like the best one and and he still wasn't even draft eligible that year yeah, it's kind of like you're mentioning, it's kind of crazy because like we've seen what Jalen Green has been capable of doing in the league and looks like a future, you know, all NBA guy. And Scoot has been like by and large quite a bit better. And that's just again, like that's that's wild to contemplate. Um, so to go off of that, this flows into a question from Logan Howell, which is it kind of plays off of the same question that Jordan is getting at. Uh, Jordan's question was, who do you like more between Gigi Jackson and Jairus Walker? Um, Logan Howell's question was, how are you separating the glut of stretch bigs in this class? Gigi, um, Brandon Miller, Kalal Ware, Taylor Hendricks, Noah Clowney, Kyle Fulpowski. Some have shown creation flashes, others unique defensive traits. How do you prioritize the micro skills? And I think this is such a good question because this is like the question of the draft for me. When you get outside the top half of the lottery, it's talking like, cause the depth in this class is in the forward slash bigs who have a lot of skills without having a fully rounded out game. And it makes it like, I think it, it, it does factor in a lot into talking about what you prioritize most. And that's, that's a really fun part of this class. So my, my first question to you, and it's something that we talked about early on, I think on our second pod is with Gigi Jackson, are you classifying him as a big, are you classifying him as a wing? How, how what do you think with Gigi from what you've seen so far? And Maybe it's not from what you've seen, but what you project or want to see him, his role at the next level. Where are you at with him now? He's, he's really hard for me. Um, Like I've told you this, I've told Sam this, like he's going to be my hardest evaluation in the class. Um, Mm -hmm. Just because like you mentioned, like he's in between, like, I think he does some really interesting stuff with the shot making, but it just like, I struggle with it a little bit. Because as like obviously like again, what's so difficult is you have to have the lens of like he's 17 years old right now, like and doing this playing high D1 basketball at to be fair one of the worst mid, you know high major programs in the country, but like 
Um, that was not meant as a shot. That's just speaking on the state of the roster, but like they're in the middle Shout of out Louisville who got a win yesterday, by the way. Yes. Over Western Kentucky. Right. It was like fine. Yeah. Um, so it was nice. Um, but yeah, with like, I think what's difficult is with Gigi, like most of his quote unquote shot making stuff is like coming from like 18 to 24 feet. Like he is not generating stuff that is like what I would really call creation. Like he's doing things that it, I would consider shot making. Like I think he has some interesting space creation tools at his skill at, at his size. Like he has some fluidity with the ball in his hands. Um, but he looks a lot better, like being able to attack off the second side and um and you know operate off the ball than necessarily being this on ball scorer. And I think like again, what's part part of what is really difficult is like trying to parse through, okay, well we are giving a 17 year old like 28% usage and seeing how it goes. And it, I mean, it can be very up and down. Like it's, there's a lot to, to, to try and figure out here. And so I, I don't think I would categorize him as a big, he's kind of like a combo forward to me. He has like a lot of physical similarities to like a Jaron Jackson jr. Or Jabari Smith um, where he is like a little bit more of a, saying he's not like he has like some of that same flexibility stuff right now that makes it like just interesting so like i don't know that, that was a lot of rambling where did, did that make any sense oh yeah i know for sure i i just think it was interesting to think about because well, we had the question about bigs but yeah i'm not a, i don't really classify him as a big right now same um, yeah he's just like i would not call him a big wing but he is not a big he's just the four i think he's a four right now that's what i would call him yeah i think also, just figuring stuff out, right? Yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, I think he has shown a little bit of both. Um, yeah. But yeah, not entirely sure which way it'll go. I am more intrigued with the with the wing kind of player. Um, but but we'll see. And and what he has been able to do, um, there there has been some very intriguing stuff. That yeah. a Georgetown game, that second half was was pretty crazy. Um, I think it was all twenty two points he had in the second half, and didn't score in overtime actually, but really, really good second half there. And he did show um nice spot up shooting from three, a couple nice mid-range turnaround shots. Then he also showed scoring over small players at the rim. Just a bunch of showed he could score in a variety of ways, which is what you want to see. Definitely. Um, and I do think the defense has been interesting too. Like they're like he has like really active hands. I think he shows some interesting stuff moving his feet. Um the off-ball defense is a different story, um, but again, like, got to give some credence because of what that team is right now and that he is 17 years old. So I think that is really difficult. Um, in terms of just, like, ap- actual separation, like, I think I am at the point where I am ready to move Noah Clowney into, like, saying he's a first-round guy. I think that the last, like, week and a half of basketball he's had, it's been really good, but it's the same stuff as, like, we just talked about with Jalen Clark to a degree. Like, the shot has never really been a thing based on on cerebro metrics. And while he's taking them at Alabama and he had the game of them being really good, or at least hitting some uh against Houston, like the it's been nice to see the willingness. I just am not sure about efficacy yet. Um yeah, and, and to be fair, like we like you and I have talked about, he's a freshman. But yeah. just to go over the the three point numbers this year, right? It was a South Dakota State game where he made five. He had two in the Houston game. But yeah. besides those, so South Dakota State, he had he went five for twelve. Um, 
Houston, two for six, hasn't made more than one three in any of the other um, eight games. And in, I think, let's see here. I think in six or seven of those eight, he or in six of those eight, he hasn't even made a three. So like the three point numbers, and to be fair, the numbers on the season, he's still 26.5% on the year with only nine made threes. So it's not like the numbers are being like, showing something that's not there, right? It's mm-hmm. not like one game suited totally. Um, the numbers still don't look good, but he has shown that there are some flashes there. Yeah. But I think there is something to be said for some of the stuff that he's doing on defense, right? That yes. one recovery out of the pick and roll to block oh a God, shot yes. at the rim is really, really ridiculous. I think earlier in that game as well, he, he had a nice... Was it that game or another game? But just a nice, um, I think it might have been later in the game, actually, where he closed out to corner three and blocked the shot as well. Um, but yeah, just doing some very, very cool stuff on the defensive end. Yeah, and I think even more so, like the offensive stuff was exciting. He's he struggled a little bit with travels, and I think part of that's just like hesitancy on threes. Um, but like he has real handle and fluidity at his size, considering like I can like he's a four or five prospect to me. Like I think that's the idea with him. Alabama's pretty much only played him at the four and five so it makes sense but like he has some touch on the inside he finishes well around the basket he's extremely like he's a very good vertical athlete um and more importantly too like he's shown some live dribble playmaking ability like not that again like not a quote-unquote creator but like in terms of somebody who can continue plays um and just make solid decisions I think that's fitting well for him um he has struggled with nail help which understandable but also what's been weird what if i told you headed into the season that alabama's defense was going to be markably better than their offense would you believe me um probably not yeah same so that has been kind of wild to see but i think part of that has been clowny like like you mentioned the defense stuff like um the pick and roll defense is very solid like he shows really good feel as somebody who's playing like closer to the level of the screen um just being active like he's really good as a hedge defender really active and and mobile and then again like you mentioned the recovery skills are like among the best in in college basketball right now um the length is really good he gets eaten alive in the post that is one thing to note um like not just like is like an underwhelming post defender like he the UConn game he just got absolutely bodied and to be fair that is the entire Alabama team it was him, Gurley, Betty Ako. None of them had anything for Donovan Klingon and, and Adama Sanogo. It's like, again, I think that's part of what's interesting with him. Like, he's got legit size, length, athleticism, a lot of things you want to see. But he's also like 6'11, 6'10, 210. And I think like that is, it's not the same, but it's like we talked about with um, shit. Uh, I'm trying to remember who. Who was the guy who played at Florida State last year? You're not talking about Matt Cleveland. I don't know who you're talking about. No, not Matt Cleveland. The oh, guy John Butler. Like, John Butler. Yeah. It's not the same thing as John Butler, but it's the same. Okay. Like, this guy is showing really interesting stuff, but just based on position he's playing, there are going to be, like, some inherent uh, early on difficulties to him seeing court time just by being pretty underdeveloped physically right now. Yeah, I think going back to the question of just how we're viewing these kinds of skills and what we're looking about with these with these players, um, they're all freshmen, if I 
remember correctly, right? And the yeah. question, yeah, they all are freshmen. So that's obviously something we all have to remember. Um, and like Mark and I noted with with Noah Clowney is there has been no three point flashes, but priors don't say much about him as a sh- much good stuff about him as a shooter. And most of this year doesn't as well. So it's something to keep an eye on. But you you want to see the flashes, especially from a freshman. Um, a little weird that after going, um five for 12 and two for six in the South Dakota state and Houston games doesn't shoot a three versus Memphis have not watched the Memphis game yet. So I will be watching that soon, but just, I I don't like how I bring up volume every single time we talk about players, but it is something that I'm working on writing. Um, So I I do, because I do find volume incredibly important. And and you and I have talked about it on the podcast before, and that's why I want to write about it. Most likely probably won't release this specific piece till after the season because i think it can be an interesting kind of philosophy piece where i can use it to talk about some of the players in this class um and I, i'm doing more research on it but yeah just volume with with players is is what brings spacing to a floor not just being capable of making threes but being mm-hmm. able to shoot threes at the volume because for bigs if you can make a three it's not a big deal if you're only shooting one or two threes a game a defense uh, a defense isn't going to take their big away from the rim to to stop protecting the rim right okay cool you made one for two three like 50 percent is not a big deal if you shoot two um so even though with without talking about bigs like that like even with wings and, and other players like it's so much easier to, to tag the role guy if you're on the opposite wing, if you don't have to worry about the guy shooting, right? Like when you have Isaac Okoro um, on the wing, sorry, Isaac Okoro, but the, the, the shots, the shots rough. So it's so much easier to help off of him on drives or, or helping off him in general. Um, Cause the, the shot isn't good or the volume isn't good. Um, but if they're both not good, it's just, it's just really, really rough. So that's why it's something that I harp on a lot. And um, hopefully the piece shows a lot of what I'm talking about in the future, but yeah, with, with him, the Houston game, back to Clowney for a second. Houston game was a lot of fun. Start off with that nice catch and shoot three over like the Jairus closeout. Um, and then a little bit later, he attacks off the catch, gets to the basket for a finish. And one thing that I really liked about that, that I like to see prospects and just players in general do, is well, I don't like players immediately putting the ball on the floor without even looking at the basket for a shot. I think there are cases where you can start your attack before you even catch the ball. So you already have some downhill momentum and that's able to help players get to the basket. He did that there. and I thought it was really well. Um, so yeah, he's intriguing. Um, you, br- you brought up him as a first round guy. I'm still to be determined there. Um, I think I'm just generally a little bit slower to react to some of the, to some of the stuff on the smaller sample size stuff. Um mm-hmm. But I, the intrigue is definitely there. Yeah. Um, well, in terms of, I don't think we have to like fully lay out every guy in this class, but I think in terms of like, like we've kind of hit on um, having the things that give you a concrete role is what I would argue is the most important thing for these guys. Like, like we talked about with Jarris last week, um, like part of the difficulty in being, like having like flashes and being interesting in a lot of things without necessarily having something stapled down is that it is just inherently harder to build that player into an offense. And also like, okay, if the shot is not for real and in a, to a level that people are caring about, it makes it harder to show off some of those things. Right. And, and yeah, that's why back to the shot, it's harder to show stuff. And with a lot of players who are good at driving or, or passing on drives, 
you want those shots, right? You want people to close out on you to leverage your passing, to be able to get into the paint, to, to show your ability to make nice reads. And sometimes that does come back to the shot. But to go to the actual question of just how we're valuing these these micro skills and prioritizing them, I think we we, we touched about it. And like you just said, just, just being able to bring good like bring good value to the floor and have a clear role but also with all these freshmen you want to see flashes of the upside as well yeah no without question so should we move on to the next question or do you have anything else to add there i'm I'm sure like that we can talk about that stuff for a long time and hopefully we answered the question that you wanted um but yeah we i don't think it's smart to just go into all six of those players deeply yes yeah definitely that would take some time um so yeah, let's do next question from our guy Nikias. Um, how many legit NBA prospects do you think UConn has, and how would you rank them? A love this question uh, because it's very homery, but also because UConn, like I like I thought UConn would be solid this year. Like I thought they'd be like a a top twenty five ish team, and they look like a national title contender. Um, and I think part of that is because some guys really have popped as prospects. Um, so how would I'll, I'll I'll see this to you first? How would you? rank them and we don't have to go as in depth with uh, with them as we did some of the last one. Right. So I struggle with the ranking part. Um just because like so my, my question to you is are you viewing Klingon as a real NBA prospect? Um not yet. I okay. he's been awesome as I don't ah, it's tough because like him and like, a guy like Kristen Newton as well. I think these are guys that like are worth like keeping an eye on and keeping and yeah. monitor monitoring. So like that's still a prospect in a sense. Um, but yeah, so, so like, so it is tough. Cause I, Sonogo is obviously a guy, Jordan Hawkins. I mean, I still have my Sonogo concerns, but he's someone who's going to be considered a prospect. Jordan Hawkins is definitely a prospect. I think Caravan has been pretty solid. Andre Jackson has been good. Um, and then you have Klingon and Newton who have, who have looked. Well, I've liked Tristan Newton for like three or four years at this point. Klingon has been really good for a freshman. And then they have another guy, Samson Johnson, who only played in the first game, but I liked him in high school. So, like, there's a lot of guys that I like on this team. Obviously, they're not all pro- going to be prospects because it's, I don't think you're going to see a team with six six or seven NBA prospects. Yeah. Um. So, but giving a number is tough. Um. Where are you on, I guess, Tristan Newton and Klingon? I, I know you were talking about it a little bit. Uh, I think think newton like his i'm trying to look through his numbers again did his his, his shot falling off since earlier in the year uh, he's at 35 percent. okay so that has dropped a little bit since earlier in the year um like i think again like we like we talked about this earlier like i think he's interesting as i especially like his passing and his ability to get downhill but he has not shot well inside the paint this year um which has been a little bit rough uh, like obviously he gets the line which is huge but i think you still like got it find a way to shoot better than 34% on twos. Um, and part of that is just like he he takes pull-ups. It's not all just because of, of at-rim struggles, but I do think that's yeah. going to be just an inherent But But even with game. pull-ups, like you have to be better at pull-ups then also, right? Yeah, exactly. So, but I do think like he's an interesting player, but again, it's just like improving the efficiency. Um, Klingon is like, I think Klingon is just, it's the same, and we're going to get into this in a minute, but like I think it's kind of the same stuff as, I, I don't think that he's as good as Zach Eady. But like I think it's the same idea. Like there's there is a lot of like I mean shooting seventy five percent from the field. There have been times where like teams just legitimately don't have an answer for him. Like the Alabama game, 
um, like what they just did to Florida, um, like what they did to, uh, I think it was Long Island, Brooklyn. Um, part of that's just being a, a better, you know, a higher major team. But like, again, there are matchups where he really thrives. I don't think that they've really played a team that is yet in the, okay, well, we're just going to put you into space and absolutely make you regret putting Donovan Klingon out there. Cause I do think that's going to be a problem at times. Um, like, I don't think like, I think he has pretty good feel for drop. Um, but again, like they're going to face teams that make that really difficult to do. Um, so I think like he's, he, like, like you mentioned, he is a long-term NBA prospect, but I think like he's just not there yet in terms of like, you need more productivity and actual things that I think are, like I, I, he's somebody I definitely would want to see round out his game a lot more before I'm, I'm ready to be there. But again, like the, the productivity early has been really fun and, yeah. and especially considering it's limited minutes too. Um, but it's just like, it's just early for me. Yeah. And I guess the question goes back to like, are we talking about prospects this year or prospects in general? Right. Because yeah, I definitely not definitely, but like, yeah, I wouldn't consider him much of a prospect for this specific class, but two or three years down the line, he really um, could be yeah. He really could be. And and I think we've seen Zach Eady get better every year. I think we've seen Hunter Dickinson continue to get better, which is obviously a little bit different. But yeah, I, I wouldn't rule him out. I think he's definitely with with how he's produced as a freshman in limited minutes. I think you have to at least consider him just because of the size that he has. It's pretty crazy how he's fifth in college in dunks, uh, but plays nowhere near the level of minutes <laughs> as anyone else does. It's, it's really yeah. ridiculous. Um, yeah. And the rim protection is like legitimately been pretty good. Like I, 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 I've, I have enjoyed watching him play. Like I thought that he would get some opportunity this year, but I didn't. I didn't expect this. So that has been very fun. Right. So I guess I'll start off with this then. Who do you consider right now as the best UConn prospect? Uh, it's Jordan Hawkins for me. Yes, um, I'm, I'm with you 100 percent there. Like the so he went from like a guy who was an interesting prospect last year, who like really showed some stuff as a shooter, to like he is one of the best movement shooters in basketball right now. And like, it's like, I mean, he had the, what, which game was it when he took 14 threes? Like that shit is what I love. Cause like you just mentioned talking about like Oregon, really yeah. impacting a defense. Yes. Like I want to see a guy who shoots and he's granted because they've been blowing a lot of teams out. He's playing 23.7 minutes per game and averaging almost eight, three point attempts. Yeah. Well, to be fair though, he did get, a five minute game against Iowa state. Cause he had like an early tech and I think was like benched the rest of the way, or there was something going on where he just didn't play in the Iowa rip. state okay. game. But like, uh, yeah, no, no, you're no not, I'm with you. Like he, he's only gotten over 30 minutes twice this year. Yeah. Um, so I'm with you there, but it's so fun to watch him move off the ball as well. They run staggers and pin downs for him. He knows when to curls this something. Everyone who's listened to me or watched me um, on Twitter for the last four years or whatever, I, I love watching players who know how to read a defense when you're running off screens. If they're trailing you, you curl. If they jump the screen, you fade to the corner, all this kind of stuff. And he does that really well. Um, and it's really, really fun to watch. And one thing that I think is, I think he's actually really, really smart on defense, honestly. I think he does yeah. a lot of small things on the defensive end, which is what I really, really like about him. Yes. Yeah, I think that's my favorite part. Like, he still has his weaknesses on the ball just by virtue of being pretty, pretty rail thin. Like, he's... Uh, added a little bit of weight from last year, which I think was the biggest thing. Because they were they at was it Atlantis or Maui that they played at? Because I remember like he popped in a, in their game against 
Michigan State, if I remember correctly. It was either like last year. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they played. I don't remember off the top of my head last year. Because I remember like UConn played pretty well uh, there. And oh no, because they played uh they played Auburn. They played they, he played well against Auburn and Michigan State, I think. Oh right. And yeah, um okay. and so like people like that was when he kind of first popped up on radar and then he struggled a little bit as the year went on. Um, but he's improved as a finisher on the interior, which I think that's always gonna be a thing for him, just given being pretty, pretty like uh lacking in strength right now. But like he has some interesting secondary playmaking ability, like he's he's a good lob thrower. Um but it's again, it's just the off-ball movement is so good. He takes really good pass with and without the ball. Um, he's really quick. He sets guys up well. Like he's so elite at setting himself up without having to even have the ball in his hands. And that's just like, and being that the level of shooter that he showed himself this year. Obviously, you want to see him do this for the entire season. But I like I feel really good about where the shot is. Yeah. So I have two questions for you. Yeah. One. First round consideration, yes or no? Yes. Agreed. Two, where do you stay on him versus Kaluma as like Big East? They're, they're very different, but Ooh. Big East prospects. Because I, I think I might be starting I was to say, lean I would like Hawkins. Hawkins. Yeah. Just not, because like, and that's not meant as a slight of Kaluma. Because to be fair, Kaluma has played pretty well recently, which it, it's going to be. Yeah. Which let's talk about also in a second. I actually do want to talk about that just yeah. before we forget. But um because that's not a question, but I think it's interesting to talk about because Cockburner has been out and they're doing some different stuff. But, but yeah, just I think I'm starting to lean to Jordan Hawkins over Kaluma. Um, nothing that I'm locked into by any means, but I, I've been really intrigued with, with, with Hawkins recently. Yes, yeah. Because, like, I mean, just you – I think there's always this idea that you can, like, just find shooters. You can find guys who can and will shoot. You cannot find guys who can shoot like this that easily exactly and then if you're putting in his like his his smart defensive stuff i i just think that's a good combination of skills obviously i wish he had like another inch on him but that's yeah can be said for so many players um but yeah he's definitely someone i think who should deserve first round consideration this year we'll see how the rest of the season goes but definitely a promising start now in terms of kaluma did you get the chance to watch either the byu or the arizona state game yet or no so those are games that I have loaded up to watch. Obviously, like I think what's so hard, this, this Creighton team is six and five. And I think all of like the worst things that could happen have happened for them. Uh their depth really just has not popped at all. And Ryan Kalkburner's out right now. So yeah, he's 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 been out. Don't think he was feeling a hundred percent in the Nebraska game and he's missed the last two games. So I think that does speak a lot to that. Um I do think I, I saw something recently about their starting five man rotation is still like a top 15 like lineup in the country right now so i'm, I'm still not too worried about them long term yeah. the depth the depth problem is still going to be there but um it's funny they were six and zero, beat arkansas going into the maui uh, championship lost and everyone's like this is a top then... top top five team maybe they're the best team in the country and i was like myself oh, well. included yeah and they lose five in a row um, well i mean like exactly like i think that when they have their full unit like they are yeah. damn near like they uh, flawless is wrong but like they have like i mean that's like a 98th 99th percentile team like that's so good but yeah i agree, um, I, I mean agree, but all i have to say Kaluma. is arthur kluma broke out a fucking sham god and then, <laughs> like the, no, he i saw that from, highlight I he saw literally highlight. went from like i cannot handle the basketball at maui to i'm breaking out a sham god and dunking in transition right. like so that this, was sick <laughs> yeah it's really interesting because 
It's really interesting because over the summer, I mentioned how I thought his handle had gotten a little bit better, although it wasn't really helping him create the best shots still. Um, still think that has been the case for most of this year, but I saw that, that Sham got on Twitter, the highlight, and I'm like, yeah, I know what I'm watching later today or yeah. tomorrow. So, that's the, so that's I, on my to-do list today, yeah. <laughs> so so I, I watched the game, and, and to be honest, still, I was a little disappointed with the game as a whole. Oh. Um, he had 27, which is a career high, but... It's more like, okay, early on in the game, BYU is is biting on almost every one of his pump fakes, um, and he's able to take advantage of that, which, to be fair, great job by him taking advantage of it. Um, he should not be discredited for being able to take advantage of that. But on the other hand, why is BYU closing out so hard on him early in the game when he went into the game shooting 24% from three, um, nine for 37 over their first nine games, right? You should not be jumping on his pump fakes that early into a game. You And then you see um, a few minutes into the game, they take Frederick King out of the game. He's playing a small ball five. And it probably was like right after a timeout or something. Or it might not have been, but you see BYU show discipline when he catches the ball and he, he, he passes up the opportunity to shoot an open three at the top of the key, drives, gets nothing, passes it out, gets the ball again. They're not guarding him too tight, and it's just a really bad possession on offense for the team. Um, and that's how you're supposed to be guarding him. And then once he makes threes, you adjust. Nice to see Kaluma actually make the threes in this game, so then they adjusted. Um, but I actually do think this game – I haven't watched the Arizona State game yet, but this game in general – did show some of the concerns with him as well yeah. um, when he was playing the small ball five, which he still couldn't create good stuff off the dribble against guys. He should be quicker than, and he actually got beat on the perimeter by, by someone who um, was, was slower than him as well. Um, so that was a little bit of disappointing. If you want to take over for a second, my dogs are barking. So just give me a second. You can talk. You're good. No worries. Um, yeah, I I'm interested to 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 get into the BYU and Arizona State game just to watch him. Um, it has been nice to see him a just getting more threes up and actually hitting too. He's got by virtue of that he's gotten the free throw line more. Um, also, I say by virtue of a lot recently. That's that's one of those things that I just realized. But um, yeah, I, I'm excited to watch these games. But yeah, so, uh, long sorry. story short, Hawkins. I would be considering over Kluber right now, but that's more like I would consider Jordan Hawkins like close to my top 20 right now because of what he's doing. Yeah. So just for me to finish the Kluma thoughts now that the uh, dogs are done barking. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, and and when I say it was a disappointing game, it wasn't that it was a bad game, just considered like the, the stat line, right. Seeing 27 points. I wanted to see more from him. And it was mostly um, just the same old Kluma stuff where it's pump fakes and footworks. Um, pump fakes and footwork to get a good shot. And that's not what I wanted to see. I wanted to see more of the handles that we saw on that one highlight. Um, and yeah, the, the, the shot fell, which was great. Um, but I still have my concerns with the shot, although he did shoot well in the Arizona State game as well. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. I'm interested to hear your thoughts when you see it. But yeah, I, I wanted to see him get better looks especially as a small ball five, because if, if you're not going to be getting good offense as a small ball five, what are you really bringing? Right. Like, yeah. it's not like he's some great defender who's going to help um, 
your defense just a lot as a small ball five. So you got to be able to to win on one of the ends if if that's how you're going to go about the lineups. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Um, all right. Well, also we didn't hit on Sonogo at all. I think Sonogo is like a legit NBA prospect. Like he's, uh, I actually think that he's done more to make himself a prospect this year, which has been kind of fun. Um, like the pick and, uh, not pick and roll, the, like the actual like dribble handoff, like screening operator stuff. I think he's continued to get better at, um, like I've always liked him as a screener, but I think he's just gotten more opportunities to do the actual DHO reps. And he's shown more as a passer, which has been fun to see. Um, I don't know how much I really believe in the shot. I appreciate that he's taking them and has been confident in them. Like it has fallen off as the season has gone on. Obviously, you know, he was the greatest three-point shooter of all time for the first couple weeks of the season. Not so much anymore, but like um, regardless, I think it has been cool to see him really work on trying to round out his game more. Um, Defensively, like he's just like he's always going to have to be – playing closer to the level of the screen you know playing in a more active defense like part of what's been fun with them is like they have alex caravan who is an awesome backline help defender which really unlocks letting sonogo play close to the level of the screen and and mixing up their pick and roll coverages um but i think like he has the tools to really be an interesting backup in the league but again it's it he really has to hit as the handoff guy in my opinion and, and working out some of those passing reads yeah, I honestly totally forgot we had to go back to the UConn guys. <laughs> yeah. I, I should have stayed. I should have uh, left Kaluma for after. No, but... no, it was worth it. It was worth it. The, <laughs> but the yes. um, that that's what we do. We just yes. go all over the place. But where do you stand on Sonogo versus Andre Jackson? Then, oh yeah, I just am. I'm. I don't want to say I'm like out on Andre Jackson. Like Andre Jackson's really interesting. He does really cool things, but it's also just like. What do you do? And, and I think an I thought I was too harsh on him, right? I thought I was too harsh on him on the other pod, and I, I hope it didn't come off that way. No, I just um, think like I, you're being I agree fair. With you. Like I, I agree with you. It's just hard without the shot. Like you can't really unlock his playmaking, which is the most enticing thing about him. Like the defense is really cool, but again, like with I because but but I do think, and this is something that I have done in the past, and you and I have talked about it is we do want to consider like even if it's unlikely if the shot does come around what do you have with him um and that's something to remember and i have to remind myself that as well right yeah if the shot does come around what do you have with him because that does open up his playmaking more you already have a lot of cool defense um i i don't know if the shot will ever come around to the point where like you have him as a ball handler and they're going to go over screens because you don't want to go under against him i don't know if that will ever happen that seems quite unlikely but it doesn't seem actually impossible for him to have some kind of spot up three-point shot where teams can't close out on him so if that does happen are you intrigued i i still think with that as not being impossible i do like him a little bit more than sonogo but i still am generally underwhelmed with him as a prospect because of the shot we'll see how it goes but yeah yeah there was there was a play in the in the florida game where it really just showed um everything good not everything but it, it did show the good and the bad with him there was a on offense he gets like a dho they go under the screen for the dho he tries to use the screen again on the pick and roll they go under again he misses a three. Um, this it's just tough for spacing on offense or to get good looks. And then on the other end in transition, he has a ridiculous rotation and shows a pleasant with a block at the rim. So it was a good play to show the 
good and the bad with him. But I, I'm with you. It, it, it's really tough for him to to showcase his full set of skills on offense when the shot and with how te- with how defenses guard him. That's just, that's the tough part. Yeah. No, I agree. I think it's just it's in a, and I didn't mean to sound overly critical. I just like he is interesting, but it's just tough because it, like as much as the playmaking has popped more this year, I think it just makes you show like I mean it makes you think even more about like okay, well, I need this to to hit a little like there there just needs to be more there to get the most out of it and yeah and on um, top of that i don't think like he doesn't get to the rim that often and show some crazy touch either in my opinion so it's like okay where like you said what are you doing on offense pretty much um and 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 that is one of the questions with them as a national title contender is how will he be on offense in those big games i think he can be a liability um, but if you do just get him to string together four or five games together, like if he's playing well on offense, they probably are the best team in the country. But yeah, um, yeah he, if he's in a slump, it, it could be rough because he will be a liability on offense. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Definitely. Um, okay. Uh, next question from Joe oh, Jack. Last thing, oh, yep. do you want to talk about Caravan at all or no? Uh, I think he's a couple years down the road for me. Okay. Like, yeah. He's really interesting and he does good stuff. I think it's the same thing as Klingon to a degree. Like he, if the shot like continues to fall with, with like, if, I think he needs to add a couple more things. To his, he's, he's interesting is the best way to put it, but he's uh, where they, they do you have wanna, so many interesting guys. That's the thing. That's the yeah. thing. They have so many interesting guys, um, but I'm with you. I also yeah. just want to take time to, to just watch him more closely because a lot of my time has been watching Jordan Hawkins recently, just because I've really been enamored with everything he does on both ends of the floor. So he's gotten a lot of my attention. Um, Just a really smart player. really enjoy watching Jordan Hawkins. Me too. Um, Okay. Next question from Joe Jackson. Uh, Is Zach Eady a legit draft prospect uh, or more of an undrafted guy? Should he return? What type of team should look at him? Um, I, I'm here to say that I think Zach is a legit draft prospect. Um, I don't know where I would necessarily have him right now. I want to watch a lot more of Purdue, but just like he is doing the things that we wanted to see from him last year. Like he is able to stay on the court more. Like he's really improved his conditioning. And like we talked a little bit about with Colin Castleton, Zach Eady has taken that step from being like really good to dominant. Like, he like I mean, there's a reason why Purdue is undefeated and currently the number one ranked team in the country. And a lot of that is due to what Edie brings. Um, like obviously there's a lot more going on with this team than just Zach Edie, but um he's seven foot four. He gets to the line a shit ton. He's you can do things defensively around him that are really good. I think there are obviously always going to be questions with what happens when he gets put into certain actions, but I think he's an NBA guy based on what he has. Like, I think that he is a lot better. Um, <laughs> what is the face you're making right now? Um, so I was just, <laughs> I was just looking at um, his rebound numbers from the last three games. And he oh, has 17, yeah. 18, and 22 in the yeah, last three games. Pretty insane. I... <laughs> um, yeah. But like, I mean, point being, like, I think again, it's just he's seven foot four and he actually. I wouldn't necessarily say that he's mobile, but like he has some nimbleness to his game. Like it's not just like he's uh, like super stiff, like has no ability to really do things. Like there are some plays that he had last year where like he would catch the ball um, coming off of a short roll 
and like have like a kind of uh flexible finish around the rim and like there it's again it is not perfect by any stretch i'm not trying to say that he's Giannis, but like he's i just don't know necessarily how you guard him other than like trying to find ways to to stop him before he gets to the rim but even then like okay you're selling your defense out to do things and i think that there's room for him to improve as a playmaker um and making some of those reads when those things happen but again I think that's a guy that teams could be really interested in trying to figure out if they can build a bench around him and just being like, yes, even if we have some defensive struggles, like we have the best offensive rebounder in, in basketball. Like I, I, again, like I think that there's a lot more thought process that's going to have to go into it. And not every team is going to be a team for Zach Eady, but I'm, I definitely think he's an NBA guy. Yeah. I think he's definitely an NBA prospect. Um, for sure. I honestly think he was a prospect that could have got should have gotten consideration last year. Don't blame him at all for coming back to, to school. Um, I think even last year, you were able to see his improvements throughout last year from the year prior, and we're seeing that again this year. So you and I will always talk about it. So seeing improvements from returners is what you want to see. So nice to see that yep. from him. Um, but yeah, those those rebound numbers from the last three just caught my eye. I, I honestly didn't know he had. He's it. averaging fourteen rebounds per game this right, year. Right, which I knew. Like he, I know he's had some dominant rebounding games, but twenty two, eighteen, and seventeen in the last three just blew me away. I was just not expecting to see that. But but yeah, back back to just talking about him as a prospect. Um, I do think he's even going back to last year has started to handle being doubled better as well with passing yeah. out of it. Um, so just seeing that improvement continue is great in terms of um undrafted versus drafted i think a lot of that can go with like there's a lot of phil's philosophy behind it right like if you think he's just a backup big is it worth using a pick on just a backup big do you think he has more upside than that how are you going to build around it like like mark was saying so um drafted versus undrafted i'm still up in the air i would not question anyone who wants to use a draft pick on him, but I think I want to spend more time digging deeper into it and might be team specific, like Mark said. Um, but yeah, 100% a prospect at the very least in terms of should he leave or return. I think that also can depend on the feedback slash what kind of NIL deal he can get. Uh, because if he's only getting second round undrafted feedback, but can get more money with NIL, might as well go back to school, right? Um but yeah, I, I think he is a legit draft prospect to answer the question. Yep. We are in lockstep there. Um, all right, on to our next question from Mike Perry. Where do you see Judah Mintz being drafted? Um, this is a good question because I do not know. I really, really like Judah Mintz, and I think that as much as the Syracuse team kind of sucks, um, he's been very good this year. But part of what's been frustrating is like he hasn't really done some of the things that I was really hoping for. And I'm interested to see if NBA teams look at that. I think like he has very clearly shown pro potential as a ball handler, scorer, playmaker out of pick and roll, um, like all those things that I I knew he could bring out of Oak Hill. He's just not taking threes. Like, and that has been yeah. frustrating. And that's what we talked about before, right? We wanted to yeah. see him shoot threes not shooting threes three for 18 on the year. So when he's shooting them, not shooting them well at all. Um, But just seeing him get to some spots in the mid range and, and using his body is, is really fun to watch at times. Yeah. Has had some really nice passes, had 
that really sick poster dunk as well. Yes. Um, don't even think he's been that efficient from the mid range. Honestly, I'd have to yeah. go and double check the numbers, but it's like what he shows is intriguing, but he hasn't been that good at what he's showing pretty much. Right. So, so where he gets drafted is up in the air right now. I have zero idea, like from how he's played, I'd assume it's a second round kind of guy. I don't think he's played like a first round kind of guy, but it doesn't mean, I don't think he has a talent to be the first round kind of guy just needs to play yeah. better. I think. And yeah, I think happens or not oh, is sorry. to be determined. No. Yeah. You're good. He's very much like the guy that I would like to see magically take the malachi branham i'm a shooter now leap that would be cool um because malachi went i think malachi took like 12 threes in the first 10 games at ohio state last year they had the uh like three week long break because of the uh covid breakout in ohio state's program and then he came back and had like a 37 point game against nebraska and then you know that was it was all history from there like I think, but, but even with Brandon, just to cut off for a second though, but yeah. even with Brandon, after that Nebraska game, like the the three point volume was higher the rest yeah, of the year than sure. it was early in the year. But he still like after that like Nebraska game, it was back to three, three, one, two. So like it yeah. was still low, but it was higher because before that it was ones and zeros. Well, yeah, he just wasn't taking it at all. Right. So, like... so yeah, even with Brandon, the question with Brandon, not a question, but the the hope was his volume would increase as well at the next level um and and yeah i think that does stand for judah yeah that's i mean i think that's just the biggest thing like until he does them uh i think that there's going to be inherent skepticism from teams but i also think like just with how much he has shown i am curious to see how teams would rate him because i'm not sure where i would fall on him right now um i agree but um, so so moving on to matt powers question which prospects AAU or high school tape do you think will be more essential viewing than NCAA due to differences in context? And I'll go first here. I think one of the biggest ones here is probably Jordan Walsh. Um, just because I think his usage on offense, and maybe that does change with the Brazil injury, unfortunately, or unfortunately for Brazil. Um, but He's just not really getting much of a chance at all to do anything. I do think this recent game, he was able to do a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I, I really do think it's been an underwhelming year for him. And he is someone, if he decides to leave, that you will probably have to go back and, and rewatch or just go based off of your priors. Um, and, and there were skepticism about him before college as well, to be fair, but yeah, I, I have my skepticism with Jordan Walsh, but I do think that he's someone that I, I want to go back and watch more pre-college stuff to to feel confident. Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, I'm trying to think if I would throw anybody else up there. Um, I think, Depen well... Depending on Jairus Walker, I think, yeah. um, how he gets used the rest of the year, you and I both talked about it. Like, we mm -hmm. don't think that it's necessarily Houston's fault for how they're using him because they want to win. One thing that I want to bring up that we didn't talk last pod, but it just came to my attention recently is it does seem like, cause you and I talked about how 
I, I said in the St. Mary's game, he had chances in the early parts of it to, to do stuff and didn't look well. Yeah. And and keep on watching. It does look like he's getting opportunities more so in the first five minutes of a game than he is the rest of the game. So I sort of wonder, I want to look into it more, but like, is it like a scheme? Like, are they scheming up stuff for him, like in like a practice to like run their first five or 10 plays in the game? And then they sort of go away from it throughout the game. I'm not sure. It's just something that, that caught my mind. But I think he's another one. If his role doesn't change much throughout the year, could be worth going back and, and seeing his pre-college stuff as well. Definitely. Um, I think like we talked about earlier, probably Dariq, uh, potential, I should mm-hmm. say potentially Dariq if, if he still struggles throughout the course of the year, but that's, you know, obviously TBD. Um, I think Derek Lively, if he continues to play as little as he has and decides to go, that's definitely a guy you're going to need to watch uh, high school stuff on. Um, Dylan Mitchell, I think I would put there too, just because of what his role has been. Which I like to be fair, I don't think it's all that different from his role at Montverde. Um, but like that's somebody I would toss up there. Um, I think that would be it for me. Yeah. Would you agree that? Do you think Walsh is the number one guy? Oh, Walsh here? is the guy here, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, all right. On to our next question from Drew Gooden Suit. That is a funny name. <laughs> Hypothetically, if you were a top high school recruit and draft prospect, which route would you take? I.e., college, she league night, OTE, and if college, which team or coach would you most want to play for? Zach, I'll let you go first. So this is an interesting question. Um, honestly, we sort of touched on it earlier to where I honestly don't think that, at least for college, I guess I could work with anyone, um, going to the brand name like we talked about, right? If you aren't able to showcase what you want to do, um for mba perspective it's not the best place for you so i do think it honestly just depends on what player you are i'm not going to go into my 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 kind of basketball game or your kind of game um so nothing a cop-out answer but i do think it depends on the player and and the person what their skill set is and what they want to show i i do think a lot of that comes to it um but if you want to talk about college versus g league versus ote I think that um, that's tough. I, I think we're still we're still really early with the with the G League and overtime samples to really know um, how great that's going to go. I think there's been a lot of talent at both of them so far. But yeah, I honestly don't think I have a great answer for you on the top of my head. I'll still think a little bit more. But do you have anything yet, Mark? Um, I mean, I would like to go save the Georgetown Hoyas uh, if I was a five star <laughs> recruit. Um, but I also think that would probably be a bad idea for me, uh, just in general, uh, based on, on anything. Um, this is a good question. I mean, I think the, the biggest thing is it depends who you are, what you do, what you're trying to do, what a team does, what they can develop and what their goals are. Like, exactly. That's that's what I've been trying to say, right? No, I I agree with you hundred percent. That's, that's what I was saying. But I guess if you want to think about it, like, okay, look at, Arizona or, or Alabama or, or Gonzaga, maybe teams that are running more NBA kind of offenses yeah. or more upbeat and, and faster pace is at least a good start. Um, I think that's a good start. But then from there, you still want to talk to the team and talk about how they want to use you and, and how can they put you in your best position to succeed. I think um, all those teams can do it differently with their players. I think Arizona do a great job actually with, with their bigs, right? We saw Coloco last year. We've seen 
bottle this year of putting them in great spots to succeed. Um, but obviously they got Mather in the ball in good positions for him to succeed. So I think they're showing that they can get players in the right spots. And there's other teams who still want to run, um, who still don't put their players in the best spot. So it's, it's a little bit tough, but there's like Mark and I, we don't want to give cop out answers. I think this is actually a really interesting question, but it just depends on so many different things. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, okay. Uh, last question from Stephen Gillespie. If you had to draft a team of prospects instead of just one individual player, what team would you consider and ultimately pick? Um, I'm assuming this means like an actual like college team of prospects, right? So I, I asked him, he said, if you want to go to G League or an international team or an overtime team, you can do that as well. Huh. I feel like I'd be cheating if I do that. So I feel like I got to so, choose. So I'll stay. We'll stay with college then, right? Okay. Okay. Let, let's stay with college. That's tough. I, I think. So I think you got to consider like what you consider Arkansas. Yeah. You have to consider Arkansas. Um, Kansas would be up there too. Like not that they're not that you're getting like a top flight guy, but I think they're just like, just because they have like so many fringe guys would be fun. Yeah. Um, I think that's interesting. Houston. Um, Houston. Oh, cause yeah. Houston, you like betting a lot on yours becoming a guy like the guy. Um, I still but think then, you look at Duke, right? Obviously, you're going to go Duke. Oh, still. yeah. 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 Um, I, I think Duke and Arkansas from college would be my top two, considering because you're still getting multiple chances at high-end talent, right? You're still getting yeah. chances at high-end talent, but they also still have a little bit of depth surrounding them. Like with Arkansas, you have Anthony Black, and then you have Nick Smith. But then you also have Jordan Walsh, Ricky Cancel, Brazil, so I, I think Arkansas would be my team that I pick. I have a different answer. Um, I'm going Alabama. Um, okay. I think Alabama would be really fun for me, partially just because I I really love a lot of their guys. Like I like Noah Clowney a ton. I still wish that Jaden Bradley was just a starter. Like they finally started him once, but I think that was more just um, – I don't know if that's going to happen. I think that was because Burnett was out. Um but also, like, I really like Namari Burnett. I don't. I think Namari Burnett's an eventual NBA guy, but like, I'm just happy that he's healthy. Let's just get, get go with that for right now. Um, Rylan Griffin has been really fun and showing stuff. Like, this is just a fun team. I really enjoy them, and I think that so like, obviously think, Brandon though, Miller too. Yeah. But. Do you think? I guess it depends on where you're standing on Brandon Miller or Clowney if they're your top two guys in that team, but. Them versus Arkansas, right? Like, I think Arkansas gives you depth as well while also having more intriguing higher-end talent. But oh, maybe yeah, that's just for how sure. I view them. Um, but yeah, like, if we were to talk about the international or G League or overtime, it's interesting to be like, okay, would you go with just to make sure you get Vic or would you take multiple shots at the Apple with Arkansas or with Duke or for like use at Alabama? Um, or would you take Scoot or the G League guys as a because you get multiple there? Um, and then go and that's why I think it is interesting if you bring in the other teams, but I do think it's more fun just to go look at college. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've, I would just do Alabama vibes wise. Like I love the kind of guys like that's fair. That's fair. Noah Clowney is like my favorite kind of prospect. I love Namari Burnett because he's just, again, really fun prospect. Like he's really smart with the ball, super, super good defender. Like he's just fun. Uh, and I love Jaden Bradley. 
And Brandon Miller, like, I enjoy Brandon Miller a lot. I know, like, he's not everyone's cup of tea, but for me, like, he's just a very fun player to watch and, and think about. Um, so, yeah. Uh, also, so if, if we were to uh, – sorry to interrupt for a no, second, yeah. but if, if we were to go with Vic, can we get the rights to to Aaron Henry and, and Tremont Waters? Because that <laughs> might be interesting. Wow, we have an NBA <laughs> team. Uh <laughs> I would actually, I think if, if I had to choose between like having Asvel or, um, or G league, I'll go Metro, G league. Metro now Metro. Oh, Metro. My bad. My bad. Um, yeah, no, I would do, I would do G league because I like Leonard. I like Leonard Miller. Uh, I love scoot and on God, we're going to get Aubrey Dawkins into the NBA, uh, cause he's very fun to watch, uh, and just a really good off ball player. Um, it is Aubrey, right? I'm trying to remember. Sorry, what did you say? I said it is Aubrey Dawkins, right? I can't remember. For what? Oh, did I could like completely cut out? Um, no, I was looking at something. Oh no, you're good. Um, yeah, it is Aubrey Dawkins. UCF zone, Aubrey Dawkins. No, I was gonna say on guy, we're gonna get Aubrey Dawkins there. So if we if we take G League oh, yeah. night, we're getting Aubrey Dawkins into the NBA. Oh yeah, yeah um mojave kings there like there's there's a lot going on i think that this is this is an interesting team so i would i would take g league over 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 metro awesome yeah so there were a couple other questions that we're not going to fully answer Um, one of them was any international prospects you like in the first round outside of vic mark and i we both watch repair um but we haven't gone fully into international basketball um as much as we'd like at least we both watched a little bit but not as much as we'd like to talk too deep on it we'll have a probably international focus pod very soon so um we'll get to that then um we got a question on incorrectly utilized players as well we sort of talked about that in our last pod with with jaris and not really strother but talked about some context there and we um talked about that a little bit in this one as well so we didn't give that a full question um a question on dayton poor start to the season um didn't get to that one as well but we are probably already two hours in so it's probably good to cut it here right yeah i think we're good um well i mean mainly just thank you to everybody sending questions we really appreciate the support and this was a lot of fun to do um we will definitely do one of these again in the future um but yeah i mean you can you can find us on twitter zach at zach milner 13 right yeah and then me at MG underscore Schindler. I'll have our Patreons linked below. Most importantly, have a good rest of your day. And thank you for listening.